Okay, Sam, can you tell me when you're angry, how do you deal with those feelings? How do you make yourself not angry anymore? Uh, candy, cupcakes, candy. <laughs> candy, ice cream. Cupcakes. Treats make you feel better. Food makes you feel better. Okay. What if you didn't have food or treats? What if you couldn't have those and you were angry? What would you do? Uh, kick. Kick? What would you kick? A pillow? Yes. That make you feel better? Punch it. Punch in the pillow? Yeah, that's, that's helpful. Yeah. Kind of get all that energy out. That's a good answer. Thanks Thank you. And then go to sleep. That's right. We all feel better after a nap. Absolutely. Thanks, Sam. One, two. Let's sit down and talk about your story. I'll show you that you're far from boring. Life's a whole lot better when you share with someone that cares. This is Happy Talks. Hey, you guys. Welcome to Happy Talks. This is Aaron. This is Mason. And Mason is engaged to Brooke, who is on this podcast earlier. Cannot remember the exact episode, but hers was super cool and you should definitely check it out. Um, but Mason's a really cool guy. I actually don't know a whole lot about him, so I'm super excited to figure out like who he is today. And <laughs> hopefully you guys will too. But no, without further ado... Go ahead and take it away, Mason. All right. Um, hmm. Where to begin? You know, well, I was born at a, a very young age. <laughs> and now, um, let's see, I'm, I'm from New Jersey. Um, and for most people, that's a little weird anymore. I mean, it used to not be weird. And now it's weird because I'm in Mississippi. <laughs> and I was like, why are you in Mississippi? But... That's like everyone's question to anybody that comes here, though. So, like, that's true. <laughs> why yeah. here? Excuse me. Why are you here? What in the? So, I, I yeah. Anyway, so I'm from New Jersey. Um, I was born there. I lived there for 18 years, and then I went to college in Massachusetts. So, I've lived in three places so far in my life, and uh, that's been fun. Uh, lots of different people. Lots of different. I guess different experiences, more than I realize, um, uh, I guess more than the average person is something I don't realize. Do you, uh, have, a, do you have a favorite so far in the, out of the places you've been? Um, places I've lived. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's hard to say. They all bring something different. So it's yeah. hard to, each them. one's been a home yeah. or is becoming a home mm -hmm. at a different point. And so that, that's not really a easy question to answer yeah. <laughs> there's things i definitely miss about new england mm -hmm. there's a few things i miss about new jersey mm. um but uh mississippi is where i'm at right now and yeah. I, I love it there's lots of things to love <laughs> about mississippi so i agree yeah so anyway um i'm the oldest of four children um let's see i i grew up in us most people think new jersey and they think like new york or like mm -hmm. the jersey shore yeah that is the most annoying thing <laughs> Nothing is more annoying to me than people being like, oh, joy -Z. And I'm like, <laughs> I, you know what? This conversation's over because I'm not even close with us from. I mean, I guess relatively, sure. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm from the part that is closest to Delaware, which okay. for people who don't know what maps look like, <laughs> that's really south and really east uh -huh. and really close, like 40 minutes south of Philadelphia. So I'm, I'm about two and a half hours from New York. 
two and a half hours from Washington, D.C., and Baltimore, um, about two hours from Baltimore. So pretty, pretty close to a lot of big cities. Like, yeah. er, uh, but I'm actually from the mo- one of the most rural uh, counties. We have a ton of preserved farmland wow. and a lot of woods. And so Garden State really does define where I'm from. Hmm. So I grew up uh, across from cows and <laughs> deep in the woods. So <laughs> it's not... Um, Jackson's kind of this weird thing. Everyone's like, oh, you must have come down south. It must be so weird. <laughs> not really. It's just, you know, biggest shock is that I live in a city now. Yeah. And you're like... What do you mean? You're from New Jersey. But anyway, yeah. So that's that's a pretty geographical, I yeah. guess, map of my life. Right. Yeah. Well, do you want to tell people, like, how you came to Mississippi? Yeah. So, um, well, I graduated in 2020 um, from Gordon College in Massachusetts, and I had come home from spring break, as one does, <laughs> for spring break, and never went back because of COVID. So I was at home. For those eight months, eight months, I don't know, May, uh, from March until the end of the year, I was there. And about, well, first, I didn't really know what I was doing with my life. Mm-hmm. So I, <laughs> I thought I did. And then I was like, wait a second, I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to do. <laughs> and so um, kind of just started to think, well, what am I supposed to do? I was a carpenter's helper. For that year, I had been, I'd worked for him the previous year, for previous summer. So I went back to that job and that's a great job. And just kind of did a bunch of bathrooms and kitchens and all sorts of contracting jobs mostly. And just me and him most of the summer and most of the year, I'd go to work and help that youth group. And I eventually became pretty content with that. I was like, God, this is all I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Okay. It's not what I want. But it's what you have. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. I used to have a lot of dreams about my future. Mm. And those pretty much went away uh, when I graduated and didn't mm. know what to do. Um, what were they? Um, there were different things. I, I, I think, and different things at different times. But for the most part, my, I think my point in saying that is I have a lot of, like, ideas, visions, like I'm going to do something meaningful for the world, which I think is the plague of most of our generation, to be honest. (laughs) But um, yeah, I was there. One of those things, I I really wanted to buy a warehouse, like an abandoned, like an old warehouse. There's tons of like empty um, industrial real estate Mm -hmm. around, like just in any given county, you have tons of it. And it's amazing for repurposing and so i wanted to buy one and convert it into uh several different things at once but the primary thing was like a uh hangout college um like a space for a worship ministry that would come Mm -hmm. there Um, that was what i did in college and uh, i led one of those in college and so wanted to take that back home and transform that place into one of those into something that could house that and then to make money and to actually pay for it, I was going to do it. I wanted to do this co-working space inside mm-hmm. of it. So day, daytime, it would be a co-working space plus offices for the ministry plus 
maybe like using one of those shipping shipping containers, turn that into a coffee shop. I don't know. Every every Gen Z and millennial dream is involves having a coffee shop. And I just want to say it's the least original entrepreneurial dream I've ever heard. And I have it. Like coming out myself right now, but nobody wants your coffee shop. Like I'm sorry. Every there's too many of them already. Go work for one of them. Oh yeah, I want to I mean I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> telling this to myself, but um, genuinely, it, it I thought it was cool, but I quickly realized how unrealistic mm-hmm. um, that was and how very me-centric it was because mm-hmm. it was something I wanted to do, I thought would have impact, I thought would mm-hmm. be great for God, and turns out it was about me. Mm-hmm. And so I said earlier, the plague of our generation, I mean that in a sense of... Um, I found in myself and as the zeitgeist of our time to be a little bit of a, we can do whatever we want. We can be creative and we need to do something meaningful. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, those are all true. But when you put it in the wrong script, it's, it doesn't work. No, yeah. it doesn't. And so anyway, I felt I was in that and I came out of that and getting back to your original questions. Yeah. Like how did you go to Mississippi? Yeah. How did I get to Mississippi? Yeah. Well, zeitgeist of the time <laughs> what a word anyway so anyway in the midst of this i had lost a lot of dreams like lost like kind of let those go to the side some of those for good some of it just had lost a little bit of that but i really did some hard work to become content and become willing mm-hmm. and realized that i started to think about the lord started to put on my heart again some dreams and some thoughts of like mm-hmm. what are you good at yeah. mason what are your gifts what are the things I would let you do over this last four years, five years that have shaped you and have really taught you about who you are? Mm-hmm. And so as I started to reflect on that, different things like residence life, um, like working at camp, uh, different leading, leading worship ministry, even just mm-hmm. down to my major was psychology um, and linguistics, but psychology was kind of the thing I, I emphasized and kind of why did I like that? I like leadership. Why did I want to be a marriage and family counselor coming out of uh, college? Why did I want to do counseling at all? And I realized all of it was centering around something. And it was my gifts. I, I am gifted to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. That is what I've always been supposed to be pursuing. And I didn't. And, mm-hmm. and then so God kind of rearranged that and brought that back into my life. And I was thinking about it and thinking about it about um, maybe September of last year. So um, started to come into view and I started to, you know, maybe I could do that. Maybe that is what I could do. What could I do? And realizing, okay, well, I, I guess I could just go to a seminary for like one class. Like I, online class is a thing now everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's not crazy to just take one class and see mm-hmm. how I feel about it. Yeah. My mom was like encouraging me to do that. And I was like, okay. So I started looking around. So I'd have some questions and Matt Ayers, who is the current president of Wesley Biblical Seminary, um, he and I grew up at the same church. Now he's a generation, like a generation removed from me. Wasn't we had never actually attended the church at the same time? Because by the time I got there, he was in Haiti. But anyway, we we had that connection. I've been what to church Haiti. was it? Sharptown, uh, oh. Sharptown United Methodist Church in, in Woods Piles Grove, New Jersey. Okay. Uh huh. And so he grew up there. I grew up there later, and then um, had gone to Haiti to see him and support their mission at some point and anyway so we had a connection right. he was visiting to teach uh he, he does like usually once once a year once or twice a year he's there preaching <laughs> so he was there 
and the pastor Doug and Matt and I sat down because I wanted to, I knew he was involved in seminary and I figured mm, why not let's talk <laughs> and so I talked to him and he was like hey we got this seminary and he doesn't talk like that at all but <laughs> Uh, he's like, seminary is going to be great. Here's why you should do it. This is why I'm doing it. I'm obviously the president of this thing now. And also, the real thing that got me was, because of COVID, it's going to be 70% discounted for this next semester. I said, huh? <laughs> so I was like, all right, I think I can do that. I can do it. Like, um, that sounds good. And then the next day, uh, my mom and I, I think it's a Sunday now, and my mom was like, we're in church, and my mom goes, what if you moved to Mississippi and studied under Matt? And immediately I said, absolutely not. So, <laughs> and I didn't know why at the time, but I was really having this knee-jerk reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what the heck was that all about? Right. Why did I, like, I, I remember there was another instance that day. I had, like, another one of those weird knee-jerk reactions, and it was over, like, something else in my life that I was like, wait a second. This is weird. Mm-hmm. These seem like things I shouldn't be having. Why did I react like that? That's not like me. Mm-hmm. So um, started reflecting on it and realizing it, after confronting the other thing in my life, I was like, oh, I probably should confront the comment about Mississippi. Mm-hmm. What really got me about that? So I, I went to God about it. I ended up actually having a day off from work. So I went and visited my friend who was caretaking a camp. So it was just me and him, mm-hmm. super quiet. Um, Camp campgrounds open like nobody's there, so just me and him just chilling for the day, and got a lot of time to pray and think about it, and just felt like God was like, "You need to move to Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to move there." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so, um, remember praying in a room and uh, like a rec room, just of a building, and this is a camp I've gone through for years. So on one side, there's two exits, like front and back, mm-hmm. and I was praying. God really felt like God was saying something. And I remember the back exit was, like, the front exit had the windows, and the light was coming in, it was, like, midday, and the back exit was, like, you could go, you went through, like, a hallway and out the door, and no windows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of dark back there. Um, and the front exit, though, had the light coming through and stuff like that. It's a very, very picturesque and very kind of symbolic in that moment. <laughs> and I remember feeling like this, you could, you could choose either one of these things, mm-hmm. and you're not going to be outside, like... And like I'm still love I will still love you. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not. This is a choice you're making for me. Mm-hmm. And you can either go forward and walk out of that door, the light door, like the door with all the sunlight coming out of it, <laughs> and you can you can say yes to this. Or you can go out the other door, mm-hmm. and you're, you're not leaving me, but you're making a choice. But if you go forward, you cannot turn back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang. So <laughs> I walked through the door, and now I'm here. So I moved here December 30th. It was officially. So mm-hmm. it's coming up, I guess, close to. Like, so did you find out that Elijah had a, an available room through his dad, Matt? No. So um, actually, so Matt Ayers, um, and so Elijah works at the seminary. And Elijah, Matt was like, yo, uh, Elijah, uh, this kid's looking for a place to stay. You can help him. I said, okay. So I started talking to Elijah, and Elijah was like, actually, I have a place. I was like, Oh, okay. He's like, we'll, we'll keep looking around and stuff and maybe it'll work out. And I was like, all right. So he was like, here, I got this really good hiccup, hookup. Now, I know nobody here. <laughs> I have no clue who this dude is. But I was like, all right, sure, this sounds sick. So <laughs> I uh, talked to him twice and I was in. Mm-hmm. So just moved right in. Also, 
Side note, I totally did not mean to call Matt Ayers Elijah's dad. <laughs> <laughs> totally wasn't even thinking. I know. But, <laughs> um, but wow. Okay. And it's like, whenever you did come, like, you got involved in boundaries super fast. Like, I mean, because, like, I... I like make it a point to try and like get to know as many people that come into Foundry as possible. Yeah. And like out of nowhere, I'm like, like you were in charge of like a whole bunch of different things. And I was like, who, who is this person? I was like, did I miss, <laughs> did I miss church? Like what, <laughs> like what happened like yeah. overnight? And I was like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it was great. I mean, we're, I'm, happy that you're at Boundary and like you made such a huge difference and just in your willingness to serve and like love others through Christ and it's been awesome to witness and so I definitely think that God's working in you and through you he's bringing some incredible things to Boundary Mm. and in your own life as well because we we learn a lot through serving others Yeah. yeah so but yeah, so I, I asked Brooke this, so of course I'm going to ask you too. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you decide to pursue Brooke? Yeah. And what did you like about Brooke? Uh-huh. So this <laughs> Could is going to sound <laughs> probably so weird. <laughs> okay. I think, I think the her side and my side, I mean, from her angle, it's very much like, oh, I got asked out. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't think about this beforehand. <laughs> and from my angle, it's, it's so different, but um, still weird to most people probably. So I came, I was actually dating somebody when I got here, which was not my best move. Mm. Um, and well, nice person, all that. Just shouldn't probably have been in a relationship. Mm. Um, and I stopped and I had to stop and think, I'm moving here. I was like, all right. I know very clearly that I care about, like, I've seen the value of, of what a marriage could be like. Mm. Like, and I've started to see how much impact real, healthy, godly families have. And I then really, I had started to learn that over the past year, what adult relationships really meant. Mm-hmm. And uh, so God had really worked in my heart to shift things. And so I began at the beginning of that year just thinking, I want to date because I want to marry, because mm-hmm. I want to have a godly heritage, and I want to glorify God through making disciples with a family. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so that was my perspective from the get-go, but I was like, a couple things I'm laying down the law on. Mm-hmm. I, I started thinking about, like, what is it that I did in last relationships that have led me, that really were patterns, that really mm-hmm. didn't ever um, pay off. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple things that I realized I was not going to do. Um, when I looked for the next person I was going to date. Number one, I was not going to date in transition. So I'd just gotten there in January and I was like, so I made a rule for myself, which my friends, my um, especially Red Fox guys would make fun of me for a little bit. But I told myself, all right, I, I was out of that relationship like two, two or three days into being um, in Mississippi. So I'd all January and I said, I'm going to take the first two months to not pursue anybody just get transitioned here, start life, get a job, get some friends, and then make a decision, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which probably in retrospect, I'm sure I could use a little bit. Like, sure, transition, I'm still in transition, realistically. Like, <laughs> transition's a whole extra topic. But mm-hmm. my, my point was, 
I had found in my life that I had often started to date somebody because it was hard because there was a change coming up mm. and I was anticipating that subconsciously <laughs> and I wanted somebody to go through it with me. Interesting. Yep. And that never worked out because it blinded me to what I actually needed and to that person. Okay? Yeah. And it was never so to, so that was something that I had done and I was realizing that and I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> so I wanted to give some space to coming here and making it normal and stuff like that. The other thing I wanted to do, I had not dated inside my friend group before. Hmm. Um, actually, actually, I dated almost exclusively outside of a group of people and a community that was um, closed. Um, and what I mean by that is when you do that, what that does is it removes accountability for half of the relationship. Hmm. Because I had a bunch of people who were looking at me and seeing my situation and who knew me, mm -hmm. very like at different levels. Like I, I started making friends, but they like the guys at Red Fox, closest guys I have here. They would know me and they would see me every day. Mm -hmm. But if I started dating somebody from like another church or out there, they wouldn't really have a context for knowing that person. Mm -hmm. So there would be no accountability from their side. They would never be able to tell me, "Hey, this seems like a red flag from this person," mm -hmm. and they'd only ever be for me. Yeah. And in a way, whether they meant to or not, right. it makes it so much more difficult when you date outside of your community mm -hmm. because you're, you don't have, you have less sets of eyes on the relationship. And I think the more sets of eyes you can get, the better, especially in today's day and age. So for that, I was like, I want to date somebody who I'm already friends with, mm -hmm. yeah. who has proven to be like in the context of people that I don't have to work to like be around they're just there mm -hmm. and then on top of that like i want people to know this person I, I don't want this to be like a stretch for people to hang out with right you know <laughs> so that was number two so rule number one no don't date in transition rule number two date somebody in my context and rule number three was don't pick somebody that i could fix mm. And, and what I mean, I didn't, obviously I can't fix anybody, right? <laughs> right? But but there's a tendency to like, I could see how I could make you better. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, I realized, picked up on that pattern pretty quick too. Like, <laughs> I know you need me, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, oh yeah, you, you would benefit from me being in your life. And that's like, all right, so there's definitely a sense in which we want to make each other better. Right. And I think that's healthy. And I think that's really good. And a great mindset that you're, you, we are meant to be put together to raise each other up. Definitely. Right. And so there's a good sense of that, but there's also a sense that can be toxic yeah. in the sense that, oh yeah, like you're just, you're just shy and you know, or, or here's a really dangerous one. We do a lot. We mm -hmm. think, you know, you're a believer, Oof. right? Yeah. You're a believer. I'm a believer, but you know, that person is just like a step or two behind where you're at, mm -hmm. but you're still like, Hey, I know you aren't actually just living the disciple life the way that I probably am, which is again, a prideful state. So I'm, all this is coming from a prideful state, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, but you look at that person, you're like, I can bring you up. I can, mm. I can give you some help. And that's just not ever going to work. Right. And you don't want to go into a relationship looking down on somebody mm -hmm. in any way. Yeah. And so that had been, I think, uh, something I had done where whether consciously or subconsciously thought, you need me like you you will find some use out of me mm -hmm. um whether that was like you know not malicious but just i want to be useful to you yeah. and so i didn't want to do that anymore i wanted to pick pick to date somebody who's like you're solid mm -hmm. you don't need me 
I so, love that that's the word you and Brooke use to describe each other. Solid. solid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's funny. But so anyway, to, that was my process. Mm-hmm. And so I waited and February was a lot of whittling down. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a ton of <laughs> really like friends and definitely not that many female friends mm-hmm. um, that were in that kind of circle. But right. Brooke ended up being there. Um, and started thinking about it and really started praying as cheesy as it is, uh, as it got to be sometimes <laughs> like, God, what are you attracted to? Mm-hmm. What are the types of qualities that you're attracted to? So I, I went to Proverbs 31 and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, say what you want, but it's the Bible. So yeah, whatever. It's good. And I love Proverbs 31. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's great. And people, I feel like people look at that and they're like, oh yeah, I want a Proverbs 31 woman. You're like, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right. You know, like you know, what I'm saying like it's a, it's the butt of jokes, mm-hmm. but I, I really don't think it should be. I think that's really a a biblical model of what we ought to look for at guys in in our in our wives, yeah. and probably hey women in your husband in potential husbands. These are great qualities because mm-hmm. the number one thing is fear the Lord. Yeah. So like a woman who fears the Lord, who's hardworking, who's has vision, who is mm-hmm. compassionate, caring, who like uh, I love it. It's like. Uh, her, her family doesn't go hungry in the winter and mm-hmm. like she collects she goes out early and collects stuff and so this this woman's a boss yeah you know like <laughs> she's a boss she fears the lord and um and and she's caring and compassionate mm-hmm. um and she she's clearly for her family yeah and so i think those things in mind and what i had my personal rules come march i was i i picked it out i was like i'm going to ask out brooke mm-hmm. because i saw she was a boss <laughs> she was hardworking. She killed it. She feared the Lord. She had made a decision to to uh, that even against some of her some disapproval familiarly mm-hmm. had made a hard decision to stay at Foundry and commit herself to that, mm-hmm. yeah. which I thought was huge, yeah. right? And then um, on that, we were already friends. She was funny. I enjoyed her. She's pretty. <laughs> I was like. But I honestly did not have any feelings towards her. I was like, I was excited, obviously, to take her out. So I actually wrote, <laughs> I wrote a script <laughs> to call her um, the day. Uh, and actually, I, I didn't make it a full because we had February 29th this past, was this year? No, it was February 28th, whatever. <laughs> it was February 28th. It was a Sunday and I knew she was driving and the guys were like, just call her. It's almost March. Like, you're not going to go on the date today. It doesn't <laughs> count if you don't date. All right. So I call her. I had this script in front of me and it was, I was so nervous. I had both po- all the possibilities of what she could say because I, I, I made some small talk <laughs> and I said, Hey, uh, so I was just wondering if you if you like to go on a date with me, I'd like to take you out. I think you're a high, I don't think I said you're a high quality person, but I said that. And but then I had had some options there of what she could say next. And she, she goes, "Sure." And I go, "Oh, that's too bad." Wait, because <laughs> I had under uh, no. I said, "Oh, that's too bad. Why not?" So I I was ready to push back, and I I realized in the moment she just said yes. So I'm like, oh okay. I don't know what to go from this one. And uh, I think we talked about for another couple minutes on like a podcast or something like that. She was listening to, and anyway, the rest is history. Uh, but yeah. That was, a, that was yeah. long-winded. I'm, I'm assuming feelings developed afterwards, though. No, it's still no. totally <laughs> mechanical, transaction. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, but uh, uh, that was definitely something that um, I really loved. Um, and the beauty, beautiful thing about it is that it set a precedent and a foundation to say, 
I'm not going into this because I am so head over heels over you Mm -hmm. that I would disregard things that might be wise. I Mm. will have blind spots. And, like, you know, I definitely have blind spots. Like, (laughs) I still definitely had them. Still definitely do. I'm not trying to get out of that one. But I think it it helped a lot to go into that saying, I'm pursuing you because I see that you are wife material and I'd be Mm. an idiot to pass this up. Yeah. Like, why was nobody dating Brooke Bruce? <laughs> I mean, I'm thankful that it didn't happen, but like, how? I agree. And She's incredible. Exactly. It's so like anybody who passed her up and didn't ask her on a date, I was like, all y'all are dumb. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. You're okay. You're um, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway, anyhow, um, yeah, feelings now. Feel yeah. a lot of things now. <laughs> Well, awesome. Uh, so, I don't think that you said yet, like, where you work. Where do I work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, currently, I'm a part-time cashier or retail clerk, however mm-hmm. you want to say it, at Healthway Nutrition over nice. in Ridgeland. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you like it? Do you like the job? Yeah, I do a lot. Um, it's much more than just a, you know, typical retail job. Mm-hmm. Um, the cool part about working at a health store, um, I guess... At least this one is that all the staff are super helpful and everyone's like they know a lot of stuff about health and medicine and particularly natural remedies and stuff like that and a lot about diet and digestive health and all the, all this stuff you learn so much and then like everybody there has a heart to help people mm-hmm. like we're not trying to like most days i watch i watch other clerks or i watch myself like we're, we're not trying to sell anybody anything as much as we're trying to help mm-hmm. um and that's really awesome. It's a small local business too, so it's not like I'm working for a chain. And yeah, it's a great time. I learned a lot. That's really cool. Okay, so two like final questions. One yeah. of them is: Have there any have there been any significant like life moments or anything that's changed your perspective in a big way or your life in a big way? Hmm. I feel like everyone has at least one. Yeah, that's a hard. That's a. I'm trying to think because, like, I guess you can pick. Yeah, you don't have something. to share all of them. You can yeah. just pick one. You know. I, I'll I'll probably say the the most significant life change moment um, ended up being going to college. It was about the second week of being there mm-hmm. um, because I think up. I think I gave my. I would say that I gave my life to Christ and probably seven years old at a soccer camp mm-hmm. um, and grow, grew up in a Christian family. So I was, and I went to youth group and I did all that. I, mm-hmm. And I think for the most part, there was a heart in me, probably the Holy spirit. I was like, I want to love God and I mm-hmm. want to do this. And I pursued God. And I think there were genuine moments of faith before this, but mm-hmm. um, when I got to college, I had been living in, se- in different types of sin for a while through like high school and middle school even um, and just was not living a free life and beyond that had really had a terrible senior year mm. um, so it came out of that and was kind of coming into college sensing that there was gonna be some kind of fresh start mm-hmm. um, but ended up orientation week had this uh, you go on like different things and one of these things was like go have dessert you're gonna go off campus to have dessert with staff members or faculty and staff mm-hmm. so I was like oh cool and everybody has their little groups that they're assigned to and I I missed mine I was like crud so I'm standing there and I'm like ah and this guy walks by with his group and he's like hey did you miss your orientation group and I was like yeah I 
they, uh, I missed him by a few minutes. Like, oh, well, that's fine. You can come with us. So I went with him and uh, we started talking in the car and um, some good conversation. And on the way back, having some more conversation and it started going into like where I'd been struggling a little bit and thinking through stuff. And then at the end, we, he, we get back to campus and he, everybody else gets out the car and Evan, Evan and I are sitting there. And he says, hey, wait a minute. Um, and he starts to give me this word. He's like, hey, uh, he starts to like, speak this very specific, weirdly like, whoa, okay, you shouldn't have like been able to read my heart the way you just did type of thing. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> so I'm already freaked out in a good way. And I'm like, okay, God, what's going on? And then he goes, you should come to this Thursday night worship thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. So I go, uh, this is the next, I think it's the next week, I go, first read. And for the first time in my life, I walk in, and it's a, it's like a basement lounge of, mm-hmm. of a college. So it's cool. It's a nice little lounge, but um, every Thursday night, they would go there, and they would just worship. Yeah. And I walk in, and people are praying and worshiping, and kids mm-hmm. my age are yeah. doing this. And I thought, wow, I've never seen people who love God this much. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it. Yeah. And so the next, very next week, I remember being like, wow, I want this. What do I do? And the next week I came back and God just really met me there. I believe like for, for the, theological purposes, I believe that was probably the moment where I gave everything over to Jesus and was filled with the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in a really sanctifying way. It was yeah. a significant moment in my sanctification that changed everything. Mm-hmm. And after that, like sin in my life, the, there is... I guarantee there's still it in my life. Mm-hmm. Sin has sin has this necessary uh, untangling that I'm still going through. Mm-hmm. But as far as <laughs> there was a immediate process of you need to get these things out of your life, mm-hmm. and and God, everything from that moment was no longer I'm doing this life for Mason, but it's I'm living my life for Jesus. Yeah. So that was probably the most significant shift in awesome. my life. Definitely, I feel like the more I hear these like pe- different people's stories, like. College seems to be the time when, like, people really start following after God because yeah. it's no longer something that they're being brought to. Yeah. It's something that, like, if no one, if they don't go somewhere, like, they choose to go on their yeah. own. And yeah. they have to keep choosing to go on their own. Mm-hmm. And everything that they do after that's on them. And yeah. So, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So, final one is Word of Wisdom. Word of Wisdom. Something that you've lived by or something that you just, like, really agree with? Hmm. That is really hard to answer. (laughs) Um, I tend to... I don't think I really have a lot of mottos or Mm -hmm. anything. I've never had a hero. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've never had... I rarely ever have anybody I look up to like that. I just haven't had significant things I fix my eyes on very much. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a hard one, but... uh, um, I'll go with what I'm, what I'm, I guess I'm wrestling with and learning right now, but, um, uh, it's an ecclesiastical thought. So out of the book of Ecclesiastes thinking about, Hey, everything in this life is a vapor Mm. and a mirror chasing after the wind. Mm. That's the, that's the depressing part, but here's the best part is that, um, so God's gift to us is to eat, drink and to find the good in the toil that he's given to us. Mm. So life is a vapor and God's gift is for us to find the significance in that. Mm. So yeah, to cherish it. Indeed. I love it. 
Well, thank you so much. And that is the end of this podcast. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for being on it. I'm about to have like all the people from Red Fox Talks podcast on here now. Who are you missing? Mark. He's the only one left. Because I already got Chance and Jake and you now. Yeah. Coming for you, Mark. (laughs) But we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.